Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of St. Luke chapter number 12. Book of Luke chapter 12, we're going to begin reading with verse 16. It's a very, very familiar passage of scripture. It's one that I have used before. In fact, I'm not going to tell you anything new this morning. I'm not going to tell you probably anything you don't know. I'm probably not going to tell you anything I haven't already told you. But I promise you, I'm going to tell you what God told me to tell you. Is that all right? Amen. So, in the book of Luke, chapter number 12, and verse number 16, says that Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? He says, I have no room to store. My crops. Oh, what a dilemma. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater. And there I will store all my crop and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have many goods. Say goods. You have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? And so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I want to talk to you this morning about five foolish assumptions. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. God, I thank you that you love us so much that you give us the information that we need in order to be blessed and to have our lives enriched. God, I pray today if there's anyone in this room today or several in this room today, they've made any or all of these assumptions. God, may we make the correction that we need to make today. May your Holy Spirit do his work in this place. May your anointing break every yoke of hindrance and bondage today, we pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Now, I'm convinced that the modern American today would place this rich man in our story today in who's who. But God called him a fool. Now, as I tried to look at this story with fresh eyes this week, I discovered what I'm calling five foolish assumptions. Five assumptions that this man made that I believe caused him to be called a fool. You and I must be very, very careful lest we make these very same assumptions. The first one that he made this morning was, he assumed that, that you're in total control. The assumption he made was that, that, that you're in total control control of your life. Verse 
17, he thought within himself. And he said, what shall I do since I have no room to store all my crops? May I suggest to believe that you are in total control of your life is a foolish assumption. You see, here's what I have come to believe. And that is this, nothing happens in us, to us, for us, or through us that God doesn't either plan or permit. I want to say that again this morning. Nothing happens in us, to us, for us, or through us that God does not either plan or permit. James chapter 4 and verse 13 through 16, James says, Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're, we're, we're going to go to a certain town and we're going to stay there for a year. And we're going to do business there and we're going to make some money. James says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Because your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. So James says what you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to. If the Lord wants us to we will live. If the Lord wants us to we will do this. If the Lord wants us to we will do that. He said otherwise you are boasting about your own plans. And he said all such boasting. Is evil. May I suggest to believe that you are in total control is a foolish assumption. Proverbs chapter 16 and, and verse number 9 says, We can make our plans, but it is the Lord that determines our steps. I've told you before that I'm here today because God placed me here. I had another plan for my life. I initially said, no, thank you. But God's plan was better than my plan. And not only do I realize that I'm not in total control, but I'm glad. I'm not. Now notice the second foolish assumption that, that, that this rich man made. And that is that you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want with what you have. That's what he assumed. Verse number 18, he said, so he said, I will do this. You'll do what? He said, I'm going to pull down my barns and I'm going to build greater. And there, say there. And there I will store. Say store. Uh, he said, I, I'm going to pull down my barns and I'm going to build greater. And there I'm going to store all my crop and all of my goods. You see, people foolish, foolishly assume that they can do whatever they want with what they have. But the Bible is very, very clear that we are merely stewards or managers of God's property. Psalm 24 and 1 says, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is whose? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people belong to him. 
I am fully convinced that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and yes, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you say, Pastor, you're always talking about us standing before the judgment seat of Christ. And I will always talk about us standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Because I think we better get a handle on it. We get a handle on it, it'll change our behavior. And I'm fully convinced that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will, Jesus will ask us this question, and that is, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I placed in your hands? Did you have one big giant party? Or did you consume it all on yourself? Did you do what you wanted, when you wanted, how you wanted, where you wanted? Did you build yourself bigger barns so you could keep everything for yourself? Did you build yourself bigger barns because you did not have faith to believe that the one that gave you what you have could also give you more in the future? And so because you did not have faith in the one that has provided in the past, you did not have faith that he could provide in the future, so you tore down the old barn, built a bigger barn, and hoarded it all to yourself. Did you build yourself a bigger barn to store all of your goods so you could quit working, so that you could quit producing, so that you could just coast the rest of your life living on past blessing and living on past Accomplishment? Too many people foolishly assume that they can do whatever they want with what they have. But here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe that everything that I have was given to me by God. I don't know about you, but, but I thank God almost every single day for what I have. And I tell God nearly every single day, God, it's all you and it's not me. God, I give you credit. See, God will not, he will not share his glory with anybody. And so daily I remind God, thank you for what I have. Thank you for your bountiful provision. But God, I don't have what I have because I deserve it. I have what I have because you have blessed me. And daily I give God credit for what I have. Everything I have was given to me by God. I believe that. And I believe that he expects me to do something with what he has given me. And I believe that I'm going to have to answer to him as to what I did with what he gave me when I stand before him on judgment day. That that being said this morning, so play around if you want to. Mess around if you want to. Mismanage God's stuff if you want to. Not me. Hopefully. I'm not that foolish. The third foolish assumption that the man in our story today made was he assumed that possessions will make you happy. Verse 19, he said, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods. Many what? So you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be Mary. Here's what I've come to know about possessions. 
First thing is man is never content with what he has. Man is never content with what he has. If he has a red one, he wants a blue one. If he has five, he wants ten. If he lives here, he wants to live there. Proverbs 27 and 20 says human desire is never satisfied. Second thing I've come to know about possessions is man only wants what he doesn't have. That's all anybody wants. All they want is whatever it is they don't have. Here's what is ironic and a little bit humorous. Man doesn't really even want it until he sees somebody else have it. When he sees somebody else has it, then he wants it. I have a brother that lacks 12 days being a year older than me. Sibling rivalry was alive and well in our home. We fought every day of our life. And our greatest delight and our greatest joy was to have something the other one didn't have. Didn't matter what it was. If we had something the other one didn't have, we took delight in it. We had some candy. My brother would bring in candy and he'd be chopping on the candy and tell me how good the candy was and how it's the best candy I've ever had. And then he would look at me and say, want some? i say, yeah. He'd say, can't have any. So the next time I got some candy, man only wants what he doesn't have. He, he, he doesn't even really want it until he sees somebody else has it or, or until he is told that he can't have it. Third thing I've learned about possessions is it's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to have things, but it is wrong for things to have you. See, people foolishly assume today that the new and the improved, the latest and the greatest will make them happy. Oh, oh, it's all about our stuff today. Uh, oh, the cars we drive, the houses we live in, the clothes we wear, the phone we hold in our hand. But it's a foolish assumption to think that possessions alone will make you happy. And the truth of the matter is, all we have to do is look back over our shoulder and see that this is true. Let me ask you this this morning. Have things ever been the source of your happiness? Oh, oh, no doubt. Things make us feel better for a moment, for a moment or two. Oh, but lasting happiness? And for most people, they, they have today what they said yesterday. If they only had such and such, I'll be happy. They have today what they wished for yesterday. They have today what they said yesterday would make them happy today. And yet today they're wishing for something else. Today they're saying that in order for them to be happy, they've got to have something else. Here's what I've come to realize. Happiness doesn't come. In a package. But happiness is a choice. And I choose to be happy. 
I choose to be grateful for what I have rather than complain about what I do not have. But pastor, you might say you have a lot. Yes, I do compared to some. I have a lot. But I haven't always had a lot. In our first pastorate, my wife and I lived in a shack. Back in the day, they had what they called parsonages. Church-owned homes. Really all that meant was we can pay the preacher less because we're putting him in the house. And we lived in this church-owned house, and it was literally a shack. I'm not just, I'm telling you, it was a shack. We shared it with the mice. The second church we pastored, we lived in the basement of the church. We struggled to survive the first seven years of our marriage and our ministry. I'll I'll never forget, never forget the first time that I could afford to fill up my gas tank instead of just putting in a dollar or two. I thought I was rich. But let me tell you that we had some good times in the middle of all of that. You see, God gave us our firstborn while we were living in the basement of the church. (laughs) Hey, we weren't praying all the time back then. (laughs) Hey, I'm a pastor, not a priest. I'll never forget one time when my brother came to visit us while we were living in West Texas. And my brother, we were standing out in the yard, and my brother looked around at barren West Texas. And my brother said to me, I don't know how anyone could be happy living out here in this God-forsaken country. But we were. We were. And why not? Why not? I had a beautiful wife. I had two great kids. I had a growing church. I knew that I was in the center of the will of God for my life. What else do you need? I've got a word for somebody here today. Stop playing the I'll be happy when game. Oh, I'll be happy when this happens. I'll be happy when this happens. I'll be happy when that happens. Oh, I'll be happy when I get this. I'll be happy when I get that. Now, the truth of the matter is, if happiness for you depends on stuff, you will never be happy. Because there there is no true happiness in stuff. If happiness for you depends on any certain situation or specific circumstance or thing, you will never be happy. Because happiness, friend, is a choice and it never comes wrapped up in a package. Talk about five foolish assumptions. The rich man in our story today was called a fool, I believe, because of the assumptions that he made. Notice the fourth foolish assumption that he made. That is that you have a long time to live. That you have a long time to live. Verse number 19, he said, I'm going to say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Say many years. 
God, oh, you've got many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Oh, eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, this man had his retirement all figured out. Many years, ease, eating, drinking, partying. Oh, oh, the only days he won't be golfing are the days he's either hunting or fishing or lying on the beach. His philosophy is, I've worked hard, now it's time to play hard. And he assumed that he had a long time to live. But it was a foolish assumption. Verse 20, God said to him, fool, tonight, tonight, you're you're going to die. And who's going to get all your stuff? Here's what I've come to know. First of all, life is uncertain. Life is uncertain. Proverbs 27 and 1 says, don't boast about tomorrow. Because you do not know what a day may bring forth. Friend, it's absolutely foolish to assume anything about tomorrow. Because you see, life has a way of throwing an unexpected curveball at you from time to time certainly did for the rich man in this story because the rich man in our story today fully expected to live for many, many, many more years. Oh, oh! it never even entered into his mind that his life was about to be over. Uh, oh, not only was his life going to be over, but his life was going to be over that very night. If you're here today and you are assuming that you're going to live for many more years, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't make that assumption this morning. Oh, oh, maybe you will, and more than likely, most of you will. But what if you don't? What if you don't? Do you think that the majority of the people who die today fully expected to die today? Maybe you're one of those people who says, I'm going to get saved someday. I mean, because why not? I, I believe in Jesus, and, and I know I should give my life to Him, and, and all of that, and I'm, I'm going to do it. I really am. I'm, I'm making plans. I'm going to get saved. I'm going to give my life to Christ someday. Well, the truth of the matter is someday, your someday will be too late. Because life is uncertain. And the only thing that is certain is today, right here, right now. Don't, don't foolishly assume that anything about tomorrow is certain for you. Amen. So surrender your life to Jesus today, right now, while you know for sure that you can. Not only is life uncertain, but life is also unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. Pastor, should we plan? Absolutely. Pastor, should we hope and should we dream and should we aspire? Absolutely. But life doesn't always turn out the way we dream it. And what I've discovered is that God's plan seldom lines up with our plan. Most of the time, His ways are totally opposite of our ways. That being said, I'm glad that they are because God's plan for me, God's plans for me have turned out better than my own plan for me and my own plan for my own life. Now, if that doesn't seem to be the case for you, remember God's not finished with you yet. 
In light of the fact that life is uncertain and life is unpredictable, we should live every single day as though it were our last. I feel impressed to say this this morning. If, If there is something you've always wanted to do, do it now. If there's some some place that you've always wanted to go, go now. If there's something you've always wanted to say to somebody, something positive, (laughs) say it now. If there is something you've always wanted to give, give it now. I want to make you a promise this morning. I promise you, when you reach the end of your life, whether that be today or 50 years from now, you will never regret. You will never regret doing, going, saying, or giving. You will regret it if you don't. Notice the last foolish assumption that the rich man in our story today made. That is that more It's always for you. Verse 18, I will do this. I will pull down my barns. And I'm going to build me bigger barns. And there, I'm going to store all my crop and all my He assumed that the more that was coming his way was all for him. He was already rich. He he already had full barns. He already had more than he needed. Now, Now he has even more. He has so much more that it's going to require a new, bigger barn. Now, hear me this morning. Hear me, hear me. Nothing wrong with more. Nothing wrong with bigger barns. Nothing wrong with an abundance. What was wrong was the assumption that it all was for him. As I said, I'm not telling you anything I hadn't already said and told you before. I certainly have said this before. But there's some new people that have never heard this before, and there's... And and they need to hear it. And there are people who have heard it before but have ignored it. So you get to hear it until you start doing it. And when you start doing it and God releases me, then we can go somewhere else, do something else. What should we do with our money? What should we do with our money? What does the Bible say? We should do with our money. How many know the Bible doesn't just tell you how to get to heaven? It also tells us how to live our life. How to live in victory. How to be blessed. There are four things I believe the Bible tells us we should do with our money. And we should do them in this order. First thing we ought to do with our money is we should sow some. Sow some. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 12, the passage on tithing. So the very first thing that we should do with our money is tithe and give offerings. 
Do this as an act of obedience. Pastor, why should I do it? Because God said do it. Remember when you were a kid? You know? You ask your mom or your daddy why? And they try and reason with you, but when you don't reason, they just say, because I, I said so. Why should we tithe? Why should we give offerings out of obedience? Just do it because God said do it. Do it as an act of obedience. Do this as an act of love. An act of love. Amen. Amen. Where, we, where we give our money, where we put our money, shows where our love is. Do it as an act of worship. Anybody can sing. Try tithing. I didn't say anybody could sing well. But anybody can sing. Try tithing. Do it as an act of worship. Listen, do it as an investment in your financial future. Because you see, God promises consistent, faithful tithers two things. Number one, he... He promises provision, and number two, he promises protection. Malachi 3 and verse 10, try me now in this, says the Lord. Try me, God says, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing there will not be room enough to receive it. What's he promising here? Provision. And verse 11, he said, I will rebuke the devourer. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. What is he promising here? Protection. Pastor, do you really believe this? Do you really believe that God will provide for you if you're a tither? Do you really believe that God will protect your stuff? Do you really believe that God will prosper you if you become a tither and a giver? Yep. Sure do. I don't just preach it. I practice it. Lived Amen. it my whole life. Amen. Amen. When I got my very first allow- allowance, a dollar, I got it changed. And I went to my daddy. I said, Daddy, here's a dime for my tithe and here's two cents for an offering. My daddy said, Son, son, I, I'm glad that you want to begin your life as a tither, but, but don't give it to me. Don't give it to me. You put it in the offering. On, I said, Daddy, but I might somehow, I might not have it when Sunday comes. I, I might spend it on something. I want to make sure. Daddy, I want to make sure that I give it. So, Daddy, would you at least hold it for me until Sunday? And then you can give it back to me on Sunday and I can put it in the offering. I'll just preach this. And hey, let me tell you what. I don't get a lot of kudos for preaching and teaching this, man. I get criticized. I get people walk out on me. I get people mad at me. But I'm telling you, it works. Amen. Amen. Pastor, do you really believe this? Yep, yep. Live my entire life tithing and giving. Let me tell you this morning, tithing and giving has worked for me. How has not tithing and not giving worked for you? I don't understand why people won't just try it. What you're doing's not working anyway. <laughs> Let me give you this tip this morning. We still have to 
properly manage the 90% that's left over if our finances are going to work for us. It's not just some kind of magic. And I can put my tithe in the offering and then I can spend frivolously and I can do whatever I want with what I've got and I'll be okay. No, no, no. You still have to manage the 90% that's left over. Not only do you just still have to manage the 90% that's left over, you will have to give an account of how you manage the 90% that's left over. What should we do with our money? The Bible says, first of all, we should sow some. Tithe and offering. First thing, first thing, first thing. Don't, don't, don't pay all your bills and then tithe. You won't have any money to tithe. Pay your bills first and let God help. Or pay your tithe first and let God help you pay your bills. Hello? What should we do with our money? Number one, we should sow some. Number two, we should save some. This is the order. We should do it. We should sow some and then we should save some. Proverbs 6 says, learn from the ants. How in the world could you learn from a little tiny ant? But the word says learn from the ants. They work hard all summer and store up for the winter. Here's what you need to understand. Winter time is coming. If you use up all your resources in the summertime of your life, you will not have anything for the winter time of your life. And winter time is coming. And yet most Americans today spend every single dime they get their hands on. It doesn't matter how much money they make. Whatever they make, they spend it all up. And then when an emergency comes, oh, oh, when the transmission goes out in the car, or when Junior needs braces, or there's a layoff at work, or the air conditioner goes out at home, or there's a trip to the hospital, they go into a panic. If they only had enough brains to keep their ears apart, they would know that winter time is coming. Trouble is coming. Turn to your neighbor and say, trouble is coming. Ah, you're getting encouraged this morning. The pastor is telling you, trouble is on the way. I wouldn't work in every church, but I'm telling you, trouble is on the way. That's not all that's on the way, but trouble is on the way. Amen. Your tires are going to wear out. Now, when I was really, really young and dumb, when my tires wore out, I just got me another car. I thought if I'm going to have to be out money, I'm going to at least have me some new, a new car. Wasn't always this smart. It's not going to be summer all the time. Winter time is coming. Trouble is coming. Difficult times are coming. Emergencies are coming. If you live very long, you will say amen. Amen. Not trying to be negative. Not trying to pull you down this morning. I'm just trying to help you realize there will be emergencies that will happen. All of us, no matter who you are. So when the trouble comes, oh, oh, here they are wringing their hands. Oh, here they are in a panic. Oh, here they are. I don't know what they're going to (laughs) do. Oh, they made plenty of money, but they spent it all. Oh, if only they had saved some of it. Oh, for times of emergency. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about your past. Hear me. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about your past. I'm trying to help you have a better future. 
And let me tell you something else. One of these days, you're going to be too old to work. You may not know you are, but your company will. And they will lay you off. Hello? Amen. What are you going to do then? Well, no problem if you save some. No problem if you've made wise investments. What should we do with our money? Number one, we should sow, sow some. Number two, we should save some. Number three, we should spend some. Ha <laughs> Oh, now we're cooking. We should spend some. Listen, it's okay to have a life. But only after, say after. It's okay to have a life. But only after we have sowed some. And we have saved some. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. It is, it is good to enjoy the good of all of your labor. This is a gift from God. God says it's okay to have a life. It's okay to have a nice home. It's okay to have a nice car. It's okay to have nice clothes. Okay. Amen. Okay to have a nice vacation. sowed some and you've saved some you see God gets no pleasure out of watching you struggle financially but he will, he will allow us to struggle financially sometimes when we make poor financial decisions and we, when we need to learn our lesson But if an earthly father loves to see his children blessed financially, don't you think our heavenly father would also? You don't? That was a question. I said if an earthly father loves to see his children blessed financially, don't you think our heavenly father would also? Psalm 103 verse 13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. Who them. The fourth and last thing you should do with your money, you should share some. Amen. Share some. First John 3, verse 18 and 17 and 18 says, if somebody has enough money to live well and, and sees a brother or a sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Let us prove our love, he says, by our actions. And I tell you that one of the greatest joys in life is to help somebody out who is struggling. To help someone out who is in need, somebody that has a legitimate need. A legitimate need. And is seriously trying to do their best. It's a foolish assumption to automatically think that more is always for you. What should we do with our money? The Bible says we ought to sow some, we ought to save some, we ought to spend some, and we ought to share some.
musicians and singers get back in the, on the platform this morning very quickly, very quietly this morning, please. I've given you five foolish assumptions. The question for today is, have you made any or all of these foolish assumptions? Would you stand with me this morning? I feel led this morning to say this. Today is your Sunday. Today is your Sunday. You have said someday. Someday I'm going to get saved. Someday I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. Someday I'm going to get right with God. I believe God wants me to tell you that today is your someday. Today is your someday to give your life to Christ. Today is your someday to get right with God in every area of your life. As the musicians are playing very quietly, please, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this room this morning. If that's you this morning, you have said someday. I'm going to give my life to Christ. Someday I'm going to get saved. Someday I'm going to get right with my Lord. And you recognize that today is your someday. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to surrender your life to Christ today. You want to repent of your sin today. You want to get right with God in every area of your life. This is your day today. This is your day today. This is your someday. Your someday is right now. Your someday is today. I can promise you someday today. I can't promise you tomorrow you'll have a someday. If I've described you this morning all over this room, lift your hand up real high. Let me see that you've lifted your hand in this room. Lift it up real high. Thank you on the front row. Thank you in the back. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Thank you in the middle. You can put your hand down this morning. How many others this morning? This is your someday. This is your someday. This is your someday. Three people have lifted their hand that I saw. How many others? Lift it up, lift it up. This is your someday. This is your someday today. This is your someday. Anyone else in this room? Thank you in the very back. God bless you. It's kind of dark back there, so just kind of wave it around until I recognize somebody's lifted their hand. That's four at least. How many others this morning? Today is your someday. It's your someday right now, right now, this moment, this time, this moment. God bless you, hon. You can put your hand down. At least five people have lifted their hand. Anyone else? Real quickly, all over this room. All right, at least five people lifted their hand. I want you to come, and I want you to stand here in the front this morning with me. Would you stand, or would you come? Come on, five of you lifted your hand. At least five, come. Right now, God bless you. Thank you. Others will come now because you lifted your hand. Thank you. There's one that I didn't even recognize, and you're coming. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Others are coming this morning. God bless you. Thank you. Others are coming this morning. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. Would you guys help me out this morning? 
Ricky and Sean and Dawn and find somebody to stand with and be with this morning. Thank you, Priscilla. Steve, are you able? you to visit with these ones. I want you to lead them in the sinner's prayer. While these are coming to Christ this morning, I I believe that it's a someday for somebody else today. Today is your someday. You said someday I'm going to quit smoking or I'm going to quit drinking or I'm going to quit doing drugs or I'm going to quit gambling or I'm going to whatever your addiction might be. You said someday. Someday I'm going to say I've had enough. Someday I'm going to. Well, today's your someday. Today's your someday. And I believe that the Lord will help you today. This is your someday and it can happen. If I've described you all over this room this morning, lift your hand up real high. Everybody else's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But if I've described you, thank you. God bless you. You can put your hand down in the middle there somewhere. How many others this morning? Lift it up real high. God bless you over my right and your left. You can put your hand down now. How many others this morning? Let me see your hand. Lift it up real high this morning. Lift it up and wave it, wave it at me this morning. This is a little bit difficult and hard to, to respond to this morning, but... I'm going to ask you to do it. This is your someday. This is your someday. This is the day when God will help you break the addiction in your life today. Whatever that your addiction is, I may not even have said what it is. Maybe it's pornography. Pornography, it's wrecking your life. It's wrecking your family. It's wrecking your marriage. Today is your someday. Maybe it's lust. Lust, today is your day. Today is your someday. Today is your someday. Come on, get those hands up. There ought to be a third of the people put their hand up this morning. Come on, anyone in this room? Amen. Have enough. Thank you. God bless you. How many others this morning? Lift them up real high. Real high this morning. Real high. All right. How many of you this morning you've said, you know, someday, someday I'm going to get in obedience to God in the area of tithing and in the area of offering. You said that. Someday I believe it. And I need to do it, and someday I'm going to do that. Well, today's your Sunday. If I've described you, let me see your hand all over this room. Nobody's looking about. Nobody's going to see. How many this morning? How many this morning? God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. How many others this morning? How many others? Just lift it up. Thank you. How many others this morning? Lift it up. Wave it at me. Wave it at me this morning. Maybe you're here today and you said, someday, someday I'm going to get my finances in order. I'm tired of always having too much month left over at the end of the money. Someday I'm going to get my finances in order. I'm going to do it. Well, today is your someday. Today is the day to begin. Can I see your hand all over this room? Let me see your hand. God bless you. How many others? Lift it up real high. Wave it at me. God bless you. 
and God bless you. Anybody else this morning? Lift your hand up, really. God bless you in the back. Thank you. God bless you. How many others today? God bless you today. How many others this morning? I have not said anything specific to you today. You just fill in the blank. Just fill in the blank. You said, someday I'm going to do this, that, or something else. Someday, someday. Well, today, fill in the blank. Today is your someday. Can can I see your hand all over this room? Fill in the blank. Someday. Someday. All right, many lifted their hand this morning for one reason or another. I want you to come this morning and find a place at the altar. Come and find a place in the front this morning. Come on down. Come on. Come on. Probably 20 people or so lifted their hand for one thing or another. Come on. Come on down. Come on down. Whether you need deliverance this morning, whether you're going to uh, believe God to help you get your finances in order, whether whatever it is that I've described, or maybe it's one of those fill-in-the-blanks. And I didn't even come close to you today, but, but the Holy Spirit came close to you, and the Holy Spirit reminded you of something that you said, someday, someday this is going to happen. Someday that's going to happen. Someday I'm going to make a change. Someday. Well, today is someday for you. Today is your Sunday. Come on down. Come on. Several that lifted their hand didn't come. I want you to come this morning. Today is that day. Today is that day. Today is your Sunday. We have the rest of you come in around these this morning. Just come in and let's just find our place around the front and stand this morning. Amen. Let's just take the word of the Lord that we've that we've received this morning. Let's let the Lord uh, uh, tell us what we, how we need to, uh, to change and what we need to do with this word uh, that we have heard this morning. Amen. Everybody coming, coming forward. Amen. Let's one-on-one time with God. If you're still talking with those and praying with those, I've tried to be as quiet as possible so you could. Make sure that they have uh, an assurance of their salvation before they leave the altar area this morning. Let's play a little more this morning and then we'll sing in a moment. Amen.